Hey everybody, it's Eric Torenberg, co-founder, partner of Village Global, a network-driven venture firm. And this is Venture Stories, a podcast covering topics relating to tech and business with world-leading experts. Hey everybody, welcome to another episode of Venture Stories by Village Global. I'm here today with a very special guest, David Booth. David Booth is a network leader at Village Global and co-founder CEO at OnDeck. David, welcome to the podcast. It's good to be here. Thank you. We've discussed uh, a lot about OnDeck in, in different episodes and wanted to take uh, an opportunity to do a uh, whole episode on OnDeck, not just the company and, and what it's doing, but but more broader than that, the, the OnDeck phase, what it's like to... Uh, be in between things, looking to start or join their, their next thing? What are some of the ideas behind co-founder dating, co-founder picking, uh, uh, thinking about ideas, thinking about social capital and building early communities? It seems that more and more today, uh, founders are uh, okay uh, taking a swing at, at their at their next thing, e- even though they might not uh, know exactly what it is. And so uh, communities like OnDeck and others are helping, uh, helping de-risk it for folks. So first, I want to introduce why we started uh, on deck and then get into some of the practical, you know, how entrepreneurs should think about it. So, so first off, I started on deck to solve my own problem, which was I was at Product Hunt for a few years. I was looking to start my next company. I didn't have a co-founder in mind. I didn't know what idea, but I knew I just wanted to be in an atmosphere where people were thinking about that consistently. I knew I wanted community. I knew I wanted brainstorming. I knew I wanted potential people who I, who I could co-found with. And so I started doing these dinners. And what I realized is if you go up and down your Silicon Valley and you go to Facebook, Airbnb, Dropbox, take all the companies, a lot of other people are in this boat too. They they vaguely think they might want to start a company in the next year, and they just sort of need the structure to help them do it. So those dinners turned into events. We did these events for basically three years. That's where that's where David came in, and, and David started running On Deck London. Uh, and before I knew it, On Deck London was the best uh, best event series. And so I said, "Hey, come come run this full time." And I, I want to get to why you're so excited about OnDeck, David. But first, let me just say the reason why we turned it into a real company a, 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 about a year ago was we realized that the the why now for OnDeck is a fewfold. One is that not only have the barriers you know to starting a company never been lower, and you'll get into some of that, but also culturally. I think we had some tropes uh, that were holding back founders. Uh, one of them was that you had to know who your who co-founder was. You not only had to know him, you had to uh, have um, you know gone to high school with them or college with them or worked with them in the past. And now we're seeing that people can be matched. Founders of Coinbase met on Reddit. Founders of Demcentrics met on Craigslist. You know That trope is, isn't necessarily true anymore the way it was. And other ones are that you have to be passionate about an idea or, or um, you have to know exactly what you want to do, have experienced the problem yourself, and then go solve it. But we're seeing lots of companies, you know, Thumbtack, there's one that comes to mind, you know, 4MBA is another, uh, you know, heresy in startup land, uh, just say, hey, let's methodically go through a bunch of business ideas start experimenting and then pick the one that's that works the works the best they didn't have passion for solving uh you know problems of of janitors or, or whatever it is who was getting work on you know uh, getting work on thumbtack and so um those are some of the tropes that having been debunked you can now methodically approach uh building startups in sort of a functional way instead of it being sort of oh the magic moment or the magic co-founder that's why that, that's why i'm so excited about on deck how about you do i love it there's 
a, a whole sort of layer behind this and, and on deck to me today it seems almost inevitable for, for me to be building on um, my career has, has been orientated around how do you reduce friction for startups being created as you know even dating back to the uh, the angelist days when I was helping to build tools to help fundraise and get distribution and hire and, and all of those were, were addressing this uh, once you've already got a startup how do you you know how do you do it how do you how do you grow but overlaid on that is this continually in sort of re- reducing cost of and complexity to actually start up and to, to build companies like what used to cost millions to get started 20 years ago what used to cost a couple hundred thousand dollars you know five years ago today you can just you can start no coding you can um you can spin up a, an mvp and get users in your nights and weekends and to me, you know, a, a, a more stable, a more stable society is an anti-fragile one where everyone is building companies. There's this inevitability of more people will start companies. Sure, a lot of them will fail, but what's the scarcity now? It's not so much the capital. It's not so much the the skills. It's actually the community. And you know, on deck is this. Uh, to me, originally, uh, it was it was a place where interesting people would come together and privately, you know have the confidence to share their plans and their ambitions and for others to be able to help them and to be able to pay it forward. It's all of the the uh, the things that I was looking for at a point in time of my own career. Um, and, you know, the opportunity to build through London and, and through sort of a year and a half or two years of, of really helping to grow the community over there and all the while seeing what was happening over in, in, in the US and seeing the New York and the, and the San Francisco on the communities really ticking up. So, you know, when the opportunity came up uh, late 2018, early 2019 to, to jump in full time and see what we can make of this and, and, and time it with, with a lot of the shift to you know, more people being able to, being empowered to build companies, um, how do we help them? Yeah. A couple of things I want to follow on to why it's important that something like this exists and for all other people who are trying to solve this problem, you know, God bless you, let's, let's all do it together. Keith Raboy, uh, you like to say that he came up with the idea of Open Door in the early 2000s, but he waited 15 years to find the right team to do it. Uh, imagine if you know he could have incubated that much sooner. He could have been onto the next company, onto the goals company, onto the cybersecurity company he wants to start. You know, a big bottleneck for for starting great companies is great co-founder matchings. So, for great companies, let's let's have great co-founder matching. Also, there's this trope in startup land that some people say that there's too, too many founders out there. And I, I think this is so wrong. I think the opposite. I think there's not enough uh, founders out there. And I think it's evidenced by the valuations uh, increasingly rising. I think if you had more great founders, we'd have a more sane uh, market. And I think there are a lot of bottlenecks to why why people aren't starting companies, You know, one of which is... Um, uh, you know, co-founders. Another is you know things like health insurance or other infrastructure that would make make it easier. And other is just a community and, and accountability and 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 social social opportunity. So there's, there's two big things, and 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 that's absolutely one of them. I, the way I think about it, what are the bottlenecks today to, to building more companies, to scaling more com- uh, more companies? Um, one is totally the co-founder liquidity and the access to talent. It's you know most startups um, are formed with partially or, or poorly formed teams, frankly. Uh, this trope that Eric talks about that uh, you know you have to have built a startup with someone that you went to school with or someone you worked with previously limits it to almost like if you were you know, romantically dating only the people who grew up in the same village as you. The opportunity here is to help people align themselves with better teams from the earliest stages, which can increase the cost of, you know, can increase the chance of success substantially. Um, to, to us, it's about... You know, what, what is the opportunity cost of human 
potential. If, if you spend two or three years building a startup that doesn't have the right people or, or doesn't have the right momentum, um, how could you have you know, better form that team to increase your chances? The other one is, again, what we've kind of talked about here is, is um, in, a, in a world where everybody can build, everybody can start, and, and everybody follows sort of the wisdom of, of uh, building something people want, how do you figure out what people want? Attention has never been more scarce. So getting the buy-in from a network of really well-connected early adopters and advocates. I remember having a conversation with one of our recent fellows, uh, Sean Leinhan, who's just found a placement, raised $3 million from Founders Fund and some great people. He, he said, you know, coming into the fellowship, he knew that he had the ability to raise capital. He knew he had sort of the, the ability to hire, but it was the 40, 50 conversations he had with really you know sharp founders each of whom were navigating their own journeys which yeah. allowed them to accelerate allowed them to get go into the first fundraising conversation with a really well uh, polished response to to just about anything an investor could ask so excited to see more Sean's coming through yeah. through the fellowship I, I want to debunk another uh, another myth out there that um, you're sort of born to be a founder some people say it's good that there's all these barriers starting companies because then we get we could separate the wheat from the chaff and we know who's who's really great and I think there's this sort of post rationalization that happens among successful founders where once they're successful they say of course they were born to do that thing or of course they always wanted to start start that you know uh, logistics company or, or, or whatever it is whereas you know, I don't think we say the same thing in, you know, the military, for example. Like, there's some people who go to Afghanistan and freaking crush it uh, in, in the military. And it, they weren't, like, thinking, oh, they were born to do this. They sort of stumbled, uh, you know, into it. And once they found themselves there, they took it on as their mission and absolutely crushed it. And I think we can have a lot more uh, amazing, you know, engineers and, and, and business people stumble their way into starting a company. And with the right infrastructure and tooling and, and community and, and support system, you know, take it upon their mission where they didn't know that it was possible prior. One thing that I think really does help in that, how do you make the founder? And this is something I'd love to hear from you, actually, because one of the things that really drew me into the OnDeck community in the first place was this um, the sense of belonging and the yeah. sense that people were there not just to, to take and, and get what they expected to get from it, but they were all going in there knowing that they were there to pay it for to others and and I, I wonder if there's a common theme that you can share because i know you've done this a few times now you know how building communities at product hunt building communities at at, at on deck what is it that, that works about that like how do you build yeah. a community totally so it's a great question i mean great communities are around uh they've they're around value and around values and so value in the sense of utility what are people getting out of the, out of the community so product hunt it was uh you know people were getting uh traffic on their early products and and feedback and and uh able to promote it to a wider audience and and seeing it first and and for on deck it's getting you know potentially finding a co-founder huge value and then also feedback uh brainstorming I, navigating the idea maze together but what people sometimes forget is that second part which is values w what do you stand for and uh on deck is you know very much inspired by product hunt for product hunt um values were this was going to be a positive place. If you had negativity, you know, some people say, "Hey, could you just recreate this on Reddit?" Yeah, you could have, but go try, go try and do it. You know, Hacker News doesn't have that that positivity. Um, if if you were not, if you were going to be decidedly negative or criticized for no reason, 
you know, get out of here or, or go do that somewhere else. Um, and so we had a pro maker mindset. We you know, think makers and, and startups are, are good for the world. And anyone trying to do that is, is, is doing something noble, no matter what it is. It has inherent value in and of itself, and we were going to create a supportive environment to do that. And same with on deck. I mean, we, if you guys, one is you're going to act in service. People are in in fragile, vulnerable spots in between their their next thing. So one, one we have a confidential environment. You know, you're not going to let someone uh, know who 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 went because hey, their employer might not like that. But two, it's just a very supportive environment. If you have introductions, you can make. Please do if if you think they've business ideas and and you think they're they're not great ideas, uh, you know, be be constructive or be positive and and support anybody who's who's trying to start a company. We're decidedly pro maker, pro startup, and and I think that is a pro civilization if you're pro, pro technology. One thing, right yeah, one one thing just to, to build on that further. I've, I've certainly learned um, prior to and since you know working uh, building on deck has been. Uh, the sense of a community only being as strong as the the purpose that it's set for it, and the people who are excluded from that, who don't you know come in for that purpose. And one uh, one thing I think is is really valuable just to, to to dig into on deck is that phase of being on deck. I mean, it's both capitalized in name, but but uncapitalized as a, as a verb is this state of being on deck. And and even people who are you know very very talented but aren't quite um, there. Perhaps they've the past that they're already sprinting, already building, or you know, the, the, a lot of the value comes out of, of the sense of, of mutual exploration. So we talk about what, what makes a, a great community. Why don't you talk a little bit about how we switch from these sort of one-off events, uh, even though they're recurring, to more of the fellowship model, and uh, what's the experience like in the OnDeck fellowship? Yeah, for sure. So the first three years of OnDeck was, as you say, it was small events, um, get the right people in the room and get out of the way was a motto. Um, each event might have been 25 to 30 people, three or four hours. Uh, and it was great. And I think there was a lot of serendipity that came from that. You know, you happen to be sitting across the table from someone at the dinner and you'd have a coffee afterwards. And a lot of companies went on to be built that way. But we came into it saying, how do we increase the impact that any given person can get out of this? Um, we need to increase the liquidity in the room, have more people to give each one of those people a better chance of finding the right person to be building with or the person who can help them with a particular problem. And frankly, we need to give them more time because three hours isn't enough to have a meaningful conversation with everybody in that group regardless. So the first fellowship was born of just this grown-up, you know, longer, bigger version of a classic on-deck event. It was getting 120 of the right people in the room, um, and that room was eight weeks. It was a dinner and a co-working day every every week, and you know, a retreat at the end of that. Um, this remarkable community that was formed, and as a result of the experience they had, went on to refer 65% of the people who were participants in the second fellowship. Now, with the second one, we said uh, we've got. You know, this remarkable base of people in San Francisco, but we've also had a community in New York for a very long time. There's some incredible people over there. Let's run a single cohort, but with people on both coasts. And so 120 people again in San Francisco who are all around this profile of, of experienced talent, maybe five, six plus years, uh, either having built a company, maybe they sold it, maybe they wound it down, maybe they were leading engineering teams or product teams at, at big tech companies similar kinds of profiles on, on both coasts. And when we onboarded them to the OnDeck community, put the retreat at the start of it uh, so that there's this incredible bonding event at the start. And day one, uh, the online community just blew up. It was part the the sort of the spanning both coasts, being bi-coastal in, in nature. 
and part, I think, the front-loading of a lot of the, the really intimate relationship building. So as we've, we've seen this, and I think going into the third fellowship, um, the, the retreat is a really key part of it. You know, the, 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 it's opportunity to come in and both spend uh, two day, it's a two night retreat, a full day in the middle, getting to know a group of 10 to 12 people who we call your squad uh, within it uh, really, really well. They're, they're your, your close relationships and getting to know 70 to 80 people as your loose ties. Um, each of those people is, is a node into the broader on deck network. We see the, the opportunity to have. Uh, more and more resources wrapped around those people. There's uh, co-working space being made available. There's immersions where we're doing two-day little micro-unconferences uh, with amazing speakers coming in to talk about things from hardware to Planet Plus or Climate Positive uh, startup building uh, through into you know, building SaaS companies, building biotech and longevity. Really excited to be working with Laura Deeming and the Longevity Fund uh, and a few other amazing partners around that. Um, but again, the 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 I think it all comes back to this original vision of get the right people in the room and get out of the way yeah. as first. And now we're starting to build more more structure. We're not getting out of the way straight away. We're, we're building the kind of the rails for those people to find each other, find co-founders, find advisors, and and also leverage the broader on-deck network. There's now yeah. you know, upwards of 10,000 people in the, in, the, in the talent database, and we'd love to help you know, find the right matches out of that as well. Totally. And and we talk about our, our long term goal being the the monopoly on on talent. Um, and our, our first two big products we're working on one is, is a fellowship you just mentioned. I want to segue into the other one, which is related in a bunch of different ways, uh, which is cosine. And I, w- I want to talk about. Uh, I'll mention a couple of reasons why I'm excited, and then and then we'll pass it back to you. So I'm really sort of excited about peer to peer credentialing, and I've been excited about it for a long time because, you know, what I like to say is you know. If you, David, were to tell me the five people under 22 that you think are most likely to succeed, I would value that more than a Harvard degree. And a Harvard degree, people pay a quarter of a million dollars to get. And we've seen, was zooming out, uh, in the last 10 years, people don't go to Harvard for the education anymore. The education is free. Why do they go? They go for uh, the network and the credential. Now, things like OnDeck, things like YC, things like Pioneer, these lots of great communities have unbundled the network so you know you no longer need to go for that okay so you're going for the credential that's the last part now going back to your list you have a list of five people everybody has a list of five people that is worth more to people than than a harvard degree and yet it's sort of social capital being left on the table like i don't know that list for you i don't know that list for anybody else so can we create a place where people are giving peer-to-peer credentials the other on the other side of it I also think, you know, everyone is trying to, uh, you know, do the great tweet storm of everyone is trying to be a great talent discoverer. Uh, you know, uh, angel investor was a status symbol of last decade. Maybe talent disco- curator will be a, a, of this next decade, especially as individuals, as we move from a corporate level to an individual level, as ISAs create, uh, make every you know person a business, there will be opportunities to get in early uh, financially and socially, you know, early social capital bets. And there are, you know, increasing returns of scale for putting people in business. I think YC figured this out more than anybody. Uh, there's this great story where I'm talking to a, a Sequoia partner and he's saying, hey, YC invested 120K in Airbnb and spent three months with them. I invested tens of millions of dollars on the board for a decade, you know, whatever it is. Uh, this person wasn't on the board, but he was mentioning what Sequoia has been on the board. And every time that uh, Airbnb goes to talk to the press, they talk about YC, not Sequoia. Why is that? Well, you remember the person who put you in business. You, and that's why people want to mentor young people. And so going back to Cosign for a second, 
you know, someone discovered Mark Zuckerberg, someone discovered Elon Musk, someone discovered, you know, Steve Jobs. And I bet those people are pretty good discoverers of talent. How can we uh, incentivize more people to take bets on younger people by rewarding them for doing so, by giving them social capital for saying, hey, you discovered this person before they were anything. Uh, Maybe you should start a fund off that. Maybe you should get a raise off that. Maybe you should start hiring more people or start looking for more people and let's start giving rewards and credit for people who do that so that we get more of it. I love the the two key pieces here. So I want to I want to have another go at uh, transitioning the two because it's quite important when people look at OnDeck and they say, well, right, you're building the fellowship and then you're building Cosine and and which one are you doing? Um, and I think the two actually intimately linked. And the way I take it from the uh, the top down is a lot of the venture capital industry is this bundle. And over the last t- 10 to 15 years, it's been a, a bundle, a very successful one of, of capital, of credential and of community. And, and, you know, the credential comes with having a great firm on your cap table. The community comes often among the portfolio or in the case of an accelerator, it might be your classmates and that. Now, if you sort of believe what we said earlier about more and more founders coming through and, and you know, frankly, more and more people have their own credentials, uh, from their their experience growing an earlier startup, then as more and more people want the third element of that that bundle, you know there is an opportunity for us to create a community which is you know incredibly valuable and it and it can be offered to people uh, for a you know a, a, a fraction of the the value that they're otherwise giving up. Now, the credential piece is, is very interesting. That with uh, cosine it is a what we like to say simply put it's a it's a reputation layer for the internet it's starts out by saying um, linkedin endorsements done right so yeah, unbundling we're introducing incentives and scarcity the incentives like you know eric mentions are people do recognize that they want to create a, a track record for themselves of having been recognized for for discovering talent and, and supporting talent early on. Others out there just want to uplift the aspirations of those around them. They realize that you know, it, it's it's a valuable thing they could be contributing to society just by um, telling those uh, entrepreneurs that they're working with to to continue you know, pushing, continue uh, aiming higher. The product itself uh, has seen some, um, some, some great people <laughs> Some great people engaging with it. I mean, we've been, we have been building this over what last five or six months, yeah. interacting with a, a lot of people who have been sharing cosigns, helping us discover some incredible people. Some of them come back through the fellowship. Some of them are out there building what they're building in the world, and uh, the social capital investment that those people have made in them will, will start to pay dividends over the next you know, decade or two. Yeah, and a few sort of things that I, that we've heard feedback as as we. As we shared it with people that I want to address, one is, hey, why is credit important? Why do people even care about credit in the first place? And I think some people are too sort of proud to receive credit or they, they see it as too self-promotional. And I think the important thing about cosign is that it's other promotional and you want to cosign people so they can spend even less time self-promoting themselves. Uh, this is for people who, I mean, it's for everybody, but it's particularly beneficial to people for people who just do the work. Let, let's recognize people who, who do the work so that they don't have to uh, be constantly you know, promoting uh, or credentialing themselves, so to speak. Um, and I think we, when people don't get credit, that's how they get underestimated or, or underrated. I, I think what I like about the term cosign is it's sort of had place in, uh, in popular culture, like Lil Wayne... Cosign Drake or you know Paul Graham cosign Sam Altman 
Uh, I was uh, talking to my mathematician friend, and apparently Erdos co-signed uh, Terence Tao. I could be pronouncing Erdos uh, incorrectly, but people of higher status and higher fame and, and accomplishment giving an opportunity to people to enter the trust graph, enter the sort of respect graph means the world means a lot. Yesterday I I tweeted that a lot of young people are focused on building their own brand and not realizing that if they could spend two years being a chief of staff to someone awesome or spending time building someone else's brand that could open doors for them that would be open. Otherwise, for example, uh, Anuja Jabral, Justin Khan's chief of staff now going out to start his company, he'll get the backing of, of someone like Justin Khan or, or, uh, Alex, um, who was a uh, chief of staff for Sam lesson. Now starting his company, he'll get the backing for someone like someone like Sam. So cosigns are, are important. Another thing I want to uh, address is that some people say, oh, well, won't cosigns only help people who already have really strong networks or really strong, strong relationships? And I think it's a little bit um, misguided in the sense that when you transition sort of the credentialing from individuals to institutions, you now have uh, agency. So if you want more diversity in technology, whatever that diversity is, or if you want to support different types of people, cosign them. You you can make a you can make a direct impact uh, or uh, encourage others to co-sign them. It's way easier to get people to do things than it is to get institutions to do things. Um, so we hope that this will be that this will encourage more diversity, that this will encourage more opportunity, and it's not zero sum. You know, Harvard is, as Peter Thiel likes to say, it's it's the Studio Fifty Four. They can only have limited slots, whereas cosigns are positive sum. Uh, we're now introducing hopefully tens or hundreds of thousands or millions of, of credentials that, that didn't exist prior. Obviously, there won't be a billion. Otherwise, cosign wouldn't mean anything. And, and we are going to have limitations on how many people can be cosigned. Uh, but uh, over time, I think we'll actually introduce different gradations. So there's there's always opportunities to uh, to bring new people into the fold. And I already have discovered new people through cosign. And, and that's what I'm most excited about, excited about doing it. And the reason why I've been thinking about this idea since Product Hunt, I've been thinking about Product Hunt for people. And the reason why I couldn't figure it out is because it feels a little bit weird to put a person on a, you know, hunt a person or have them on a 24 hour competition and, and they, they're not going to promote themselves, say, hey, upvote me. And so I couldn't figure out the mechanic. And the mechanic is the is the social early social capital bet where people want to be known for for discovering talent and want to be rewarded for, for for doing so. So they can create a fund or create whatever they want to do, just pay it forward into the universe and encourage others to do the same. So yeah, I want to segue into David. You had this great tweet storm about how why talent discovery and curation is going to be even more important than it has been in the past. Talk about that. I'd love to. The sort of starts in a similar place as my company building thesis. Over time, um, technology is built that extra, uh, that abstracts away the complexity of running your startup, and that's literally you know, operating the servers or you know acquiring the users or building a brand in a niche online. And I think. Um, another component is the the complexity of of uh, operating that. And over time, my th- thesis is that as the complexity of running a startup gets extracted away, the only real job to be done is talent. You've got to find people, make bets on mispriced talent. You've got to motivate them to your cause. Uh, similar piece, frankly, for a VC or anyone that wants to be in in the industry of of investing or backing other people. You know, how do you prove yourself as a good VC? Or if, if you today want to be a VC in five years' time, well, you've got to identify talent. You've got to prove that you had a relationship. You, you, you had the ability to, to invest in them at, at that time. Um, so you know, o- over, over time, the, the one real s- skill, you know, the one job to be done is 
how do you track and, and help people? Now, you then look to what should a founder be doing today? Uh, what should a uh, an investor be doing today? There's a lot of uh, opportunities to to you know find people and support them and, and to uh, co-sign them. Frankly, um, not everybody has the financial capital available to invest in in a, in a friend's startup as it gets going. But I think everybody uh, has the ability to support that friend by making an introduction to someone that's useful for them, to you know attending an, an on deck event and uh, looking for an opportunity to help someone in that room, knowing that. When you when you make an introduction from you know your friend to an investor, you are co-signing that person. You are you know you you in some way you know, attaching some of your reputation to saying this person is worth your time and attention. When your time and attention is one of the the scarcest resources you have. Yeah, the other company building uh, question I want to ask you that we get a lot is: Should people be building their companies in San Francisco or elsewhere? Obviously. We, you know, launched the Deck Fellowship in San Francisco, had one in New York. We're expanding, so we'll also be uh, remote. You can talk a little bit about that. But wh- where's the best place to, to build a company? How should entrepreneurs be thinking about it? So I've come at this uh, from a pretty diverse international perspective. I was a venture capitalist back in New Zealand a long time ago. I've worked in London and venture and, and built a company there. And in, in all of those places, I think there are remarkably talented people. And it's more and more you don't, you know, you can live anywhere and you can build, uh, you can build products. So I come back to that. What is true today, though, is that the the networks of capital and power and, frankly, experience still centered around San Francisco and, you know, to to a greater extent as as well, or more and more so these days, New York and, and other places. But you need to be able to be connected into those networks to find the right people to help you build the companies that you know, can scale to to reach the world, um, and so. It's a, a, a thesis that we've adopted somewhat in on deck with this next fellowship is uh, helping to um, the, the, what I, my soundbite is. Uh, it's never been more important to be connected uh, to San Francisco, while never being less important to actually build your company here. Uh, you know, the, with the, the rents continually rising, the cost of, of, of labor here is, is incredible, and it is possible to build valuable companies on a totally distributed basis or in other you know great cities around the world. Um, and we hope to build that infrastructure with with on with on deck. So in this next fellowship cohort, it is based in San Francisco. We're kicking off in March. There's a uh, in per, very very in person community. I do think that getting offline and and getting FaceTime, getting in the room with the right people, is really important. Uh, but we're uh, accepting fellows from just about anywhere, and and we're doing a, a lot of this based on our our networks. As they exist today, you know, there's been on deck events in 23 cities around the world over the community era of of on deck, and we're tapping a lot of those people and saying, hey, who is the most talented entrepreneur? Who's the repeat founder? Who's the just sold their business, took some time out, and they're going to go back and do it again, living in Berlin or Singapore or Austin, Toronto. And we're really excited to be able to bring this mesh of global sort of culture and talent and perspective together. Uh, for the people who are actually based in San Francisco, that brings a lot of value as well. Now, if you are an incredibly talented, experienced engineer running around San Francisco looking for problems to build, you know, to solve, chances are you're going to end up building something which serves people like you, which is great. There's a lot of those opportunities, but there's also a lot of opportunities out there in the world. And if we can bring somebody into the fellowship who's a you know, repeat founder with 10 years of experience building in, in Africa or a building in, in Europe, they may bring some kind of you know, cultural insight to you that you can be the co-founding pair for, for this team. Uh, you can join, you can recruit them to your cause. 
uh, and you know what you build as a result becomes that much more that much more impactful. Uh, so there is you know common themes here of less and less important to to live in and come from the same kind of backgrounds, but more and more important to actually be important to actually be deeply connected yeah. to each other. And then also that Silicon Valley is, is not just place; it's a culture, and we're helping export that culture. Uh, right. Actually. I've you know heard time and time again local governments, uh, city governments saying, let's build the Silicon Valley of Australia, of, of, of the UK, of, of wherever it is. And you can throw money at the problem. You can build you know, tech hubs and buildings. You can, you can promote the fact that there is X amount of venture capital dollars raised here, which is you know, percentage increase on last year. But it's that, that culture and that connectivity between the, the right people and the, and the people that are really inspired to, yeah. to build and, and, and part of the culture, maybe to wrap a bow on this, is it's sort of pro-maker, pro-technology, weird is cool, you know, it's okay no matter what you look like, no matter how old you are, you're super old, super young, wherever you come from, if you can perform and you have good ideas, you know, they will they will rise to the front, more so than in, than in other fields, and it's truly about, you know, to the best of its ability, merit-based, and um, we're all on the same team, more so because... You know, uh, you don't know who the next Zuckerberg is going to come from, and so you want to uh, pay it forward, pay it forward, positive sum. One of the one one of the one of the best things we've started seeing too is as we we build out this you know community, and it, and it's sort of intentionally designed for experienced talent. We want you know, and are very selective about people having had experience you, coming to this. You are you, know, you want to be able to teach people something that you know you are the best in the world at. But there's a huge amount of very uh, intelligent, very ambitious people who haven't yet got to that point of having a, an expertise developed over a long career. And if you look, almost a, a metaphor across education here, um, in that you have primary school, secondary school, you have uh, college, you have postgraduate edu- education. Each of those, the types of things you go in for and the types of things you, you expect out you know, very, very much. And if you think about, say, an MBA today and you go to an MBA at a top school, you're, you're going in there expecting three things. Again, it's a, it's a bundle. It's, a, uh, it's an education, the, the curriculum, it's the credential of that school and it's what it's associated with and it's community that comes with it. It's the people, you know, it's, it's almost cliched to say that you go to do an MBA for the, for the, uh, the network that comes with it. And I think similarly to the sort of the venture unbundling that we we talk about, there's one happening in education, and and you know the the curriculum was the first to go. Uh, MOOCs and online access to resources was, you know, it's been a theme of the last decade, uh, but it hasn't solved education. It hasn't really fundamentally changed much um, because it's very hard to create a credential without the respect of this uh, this this you know, online only program. So you see. You know, more and more uh, approaches, say the the Lambda School approach, that is you know very much around a, around a community. Uh, people who are taking different approaches to building a um, a credential now. For some portion of the population, going through a traditional uh, track to education is simply not the best you know the, the best aligned path. Now, for for the vast majority, college probably is the best idea. But for the the few for whom spending a couple hundred thousand dollars. And spending three or four years of the most productive times of their life, at, you know, pursuing a degree, which ultimately, when you get out and you want to go and build your company, all people care about is can you do the work? Are you 
Are you a productive, high-output person who can achieve your goals and continue to, to learn? And I, I think there's going to be some, some very interesting stuff, and, and I know that On Deck will be, be involved in this in the next five to ten years, certainly, uh, where we can create, create alternate career tracks for people who are kind of thinking about their, their college alternatives. How do you get the breakout roles that uh, have been so formative and uh, certainly my career, you know, Angelus for me was, was a breakout role. Yeah. It was you know, changing a trajectory that's, that's got me to where we are today. Um, and how do you create the community or the collegiality? Because if, if I was to advise someone young not to go to college, you'd certainly want to know where the, the community, you know, what community they're going to fit in, uh, what collegiality, what campus they're going to, going to attend to recreate some of that experience. Here's what I'd like to see uh, ambitious young people do a few things. One is create their own syllabus. Here, here don't go to the college courses, don't pay for it. Create, create their own syllabus. Here's what they want to read, here's what they want to learn, here's what, here's what they want to go deep. Get get feedback on it from from mentors, get a board of advisors for for your syllabus. Go hang out on on a campus or even different campuses. Audit audit classes, uh make 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 friends with other people doing the same. Publicly blog I, I love the idea of you know spending one year at Harvard, another year at MIT, another year on a startup, um, and that's that's if you don't choose to to take one of these sort of obviously I'm speaking to sort of super ambitious, super proactive kids here, but uh, you know the Teal Fellowship or Pioneer or or what Ondex potentially cooking up soon, wink wink, stay tuned, nudge nudge, um, or, or or any of these others sort of uh, structured gap year programs, just structure your own, and um, I, I think you can get you know we talked about earlier it's the it's the credential. It's the network and the education. Uh, the education is abundant. All it depends on is your desire to, to learn it. The The network is out there. Go get it. Go create it. Go be a part of it. And uh, in terms of credentials, hey, get co-signed by, by some amazing people. There's a, another subtract to this, which is, you know, all of this is great in the perfect world, but some people just simply don't have the financial resources to, you know, go and move to San Francisco and wing it while they try to hustle their way into a, into a startup or, or to go and, you know, audit classes on a college campus. And um, there's been this, um, you know, a lot of talk in the last couple of years about ISAs and about, you know, the, away, the different ways of aligning incentives with, you know, the backers or the community and and individuals within that community and there's a few really interesting uh things that i think will start to come to the fore here is how do you align incentives between groups of people what are called horizontal isas and between verticals between individuals and kind of the the new emergent institutions that want to help them learn a new skill or transition through a career change one thing that we spend a lot of time thinking about is you know with entrepreneurs, the value capture mechanism is is not often income in a pure salary or dollar term. Sometimes it's, it's equity, and there is an opportunity to you know incent uh, to to allow people to take some uh, sort of working capital uh, for themselves, but also to feel a part of a of a, a rich community of of their own that can support them, and to either you know turn it into an ISA if they get a job, or if they they sort of build a company which is. Uh, just a cash flow asset, and can, and they can start to to turn an income out of, or if they do build a company that convert you know, convert into that company in some way, um, and to you know, align the incentives with with value creation of an equity kind. Is this problem I call, I, uh, I always raise with any any ISA called the Jeff Bezos problem. It's uh, if you're a an ISA provider and you gave a 
ISA to to Jeff, then you know he built an incredible amount of uh, shareholder value, of equity value, but didn't take a salary for the first ten years or you know first long time of that life. So you, you as the provider would have lost out on that. And I think the next uh, phase for this to be able to help more people transition that gap from you know knowing they're going to build something, not quite knowing what that is, not quite having the credential to be able to go out and you know get investment blindly from VCs or angels or even in that case, if you, if you, even if you did, um, and and you know that you probably will build a company, but there's a good chance you'll join a company, or maybe you'll start a fund, maybe you'll go, you know, uh, raise a, a micro fund, and you don't want to take money from VCs or or angels because you don't know that you want to go and build a venture outcome. There's a big green space of, of opportunity to explore here. Yeah, I think that's a, that's a great place to wrap. We've uh, we've given a, a lot of uh, a lot to chew on. So for people who want to learn more about uh, the OnDeck Fellowship, uh, Cosigner, what's to come, uh, David? Where, where where can you point them? You can certainly find yourself at, at theondeck.com, uh, OnDeck on Twitter, uh, Eric on Twitter, me more so on Twitter, just retweeting things that OnDeck says. And we'd love to hear from you as well. Anyone that has questions, it's pretty easy to get a hold of us. Um, either the team at theondeck.com. Uh, there is a lot of people out there in the community now who've either either put their their fellowship status on their on their Twitter handles or their uh, LinkedIn profiles. Others who are running events around the world. We've got um, active communities in London, in uh, Berlin now, in Sydney, in Melbourne, t- Toronto starting up in February, in Delhi, in Bangalore yeah. starting up in March. Uh, and all of these are just you know, people locally that really lean into the in the Ondek spirit and are, and are bringing it to the community. And I, I think uh, fifteen or so have become uh, village portfolio companies just in the last you know six or seven months. So uh, well, Ondek is a, a separate independent company. Do like to keep it all in the family. So uh, uh, David, thank you so much for for coming on the podcast. And uh, yeah, stay tuned for more. Thank you. If you're an early stage entrepreneur, we'd love to hear from you. Please hit us up at villageglobal.vc slash network catalyst.